Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1800 060 896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Break back to Regazzo Daitelli. Tardelli into the home straight. Leads the way for real life. Fighting on. Tardelli just in front. Tardelli edging clear. Group one glory again. Tardelli. Tardelli kicks a big goal. Beating for real life. Hold on to your bling. San Maria up for Yeah, Tardelli. Chris Barsby, of course, found it on top there at Redcliffe on Saturday night. One of the many highlights. But uh, fair to say, Chris, that... The brakes was marred a bit by what happened at the start and Shannon Price's horse's, horse was enormous in running third in that same race. Good morning. Steve, good morning to you again. Good morning, everyone. Unbelievable the run of the third place horse there. Hold on to your bling because he was almost brought to a standstill with that early interference going into the first turn. But Tardelli, he had that tricky draw the inside of the second row, but he was perfectly driven in the end by Ricky Alch and able to work off and find the right horse to follow over the latter stages, tracking up behind for real life who ultimately ran second. So a big night as it was there on Saturday night, and we're about to talk a lot more about it because the club president, Mr. Bernie Ring, joins us now. Bernie, appreciate the time. Chris? Uh, your biggest night of the year. How did you feel after the other night was complete there on Saturday night? Uh, very, very happy, Chris. Um, the whole committee and everyone put in a very hard job and, yeah, it was well, well received and uh, well respected at the end of the night. I, I know some kicked on late into the early hours of the morning, but, yeah, no, it was a great night. OK. For the first time, that the Group 1 Cup had that status. Group 1 level, $100,000. Do you think, looking back now, and I know it's only a couple of days old, but is that the best cup field that you've assembled? Oh, yeah, Chris, no doubt. I, I haven't seen too many better ones. I know I had it again race there, but, yeah, it's probably one of the better fields. Um, leading in uh, the standing start series you had, yeah, we got them all there on Saturday night and, yeah, Bulldog winning the race was great. Yeah. It's a race that's got great history, the Reckliff Cup. First stage back in 1964. You mentioned at it again. Paleface Adios is a previous Cup winner. But this year, it just seemed to have that huge amount of class and it was sort of spread across so many different sort of form lines there. And it was the favourite who proved successful in the end, Seb's Choice. This is a four-year-old that's going to be a serious player. He's, he's aiming towards the rising sun. But I think in history, uh, when we look back at it, Seb's choice is going to be a really deserving winner. Certainly, Chris. Yeah, he, he did it a little bit tough there. He um, found the front and middle stage were quite interesting. And Max Shard come with a lap to go and really put it to him. But he stuck on real well and kicked away from him in the end. Are you happy? Is the club happy with the way that the, the sort of carnival sets up now? Traditionally, it used to be at the end of the carnival that you elected to move it before the Albion Park Carnival. Are you satisfied? Is that the right move? Oh, I think so, yeah. We, we'd start off the carnival and um, and go from there. And Albion Park finished it off, uh, their big four-week carnival. But, yeah, I think we made the right move moving it forward. There may be a few little more tweaks happening uh, in the next few months to go into next year as well. Ernie, I'm um, sorry, Bernie, how do you feel about the show running alongside this meeting, the Redcliffe show as well? Are you happy about that or is it taking a crowd away from your, your venue? Stephen, yeah, I, I know the crowd was... I know they had good crowds at the show on the weekend and uh, possibly take a few away, but, yeah, the fireworks just happened just after the race, so it wasn't too bad, but probably takes a little bit away. We may have to move the, the major races forward a week and, yeah. That's not a bad thing, though, is it? No, no, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, we could probably tighten the carnival up even more if we, depending on racing Queensland, that want to do. Yeah.
Yeah, but it works at the moment. You have the patrons purse, you've got the heats of the two-year-old series, and then it dovetails into that big Saturday night. So it sort of works at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it works and it works wonders. Yeah, um, when we were back, when we were in the back end of the car, we were sort of missing out on the good horses that were, were at the Albion Park. But now that we start the car, we get they start all their campaigns with us, and then go into Albion Park. Mm. Uh, that cup winner, Seb's choice, first Victorian since Slyby back in 1999 to be a Victorian trained winner. And just on that two-year-old winner, Tardelli, uh, Alf Lespina, the entire Lespina family there trackside on, on Saturday night. Special moments there for that family because they put so much in. Oh, well and truly, Alf is a, a member of Redcliffe and uh, Rosario, and they get there every time there's major races on. And uh, Alf, after the race, is still shaking. He... Um, it meant a lot to them. They won it regularly a few years ago, but I think this horse is very special and meant a lot to them. And the, the, the other horse run fourth. They were quite happy with that horse as well. Yeah, and the Oaks and Derby features, they were very keenly contested. Amore Vita, well, she looks so classy in the Derby. That was a great race. Action of plenty there. Yeah, the Derby is unbelievable. Like, um, Amore Vita, she, she'll go into the Oaks and that now. It's very classy. But the Derby is very interesting. I don't think the big horse handled the track myself. But, uh, yeah, different. Tim Troop has always been an honest horse. He won the uh, British Challenge in New South Wales. And, yeah, his, his main rival is probably leap to fame. But winning the Redcliffe Derby is great for the Seymour family as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a possibility that there could be some few tweaks for next year's Redcliffe Carnival. Yeah, mate, yeah, we'll sit down. The committee will sit down with Racing Queensland and might decide to change a few things here and there. I, I don't know where to look at, but yeah, we'll sit down with them and have a look at it. And Bernie, something we've spoken about in recent times, you've been, a, of course, part of the Redcliffe Harness Racing Club for as long as I can remember, but the area is changing or changed so much, particularly in the last decade, hasn't it, with the rail and just the population explosion all around that area? Yeah. Yeah, it has, Stephen. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, our demographics now is probably middle-aged uh, people turning up to the races now. Ever since COVID, we've been back. We've been averaging 40 and 50 people up in the restaurant every Wednesday night. The other Wednesday night, they had 100 people turn up out of the blue. So it was very interesting and great for the club as well. I'm middle-aged. Yeah, I know it's still early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing, I know it's still early, uh, but uh, the tab turnover, uh, that's going to be very interesting reading in, in time to come. Yeah, it will be, Steve. Um, Chris, yeah, I know the Friday night turnover is about 3.4 million. So, so yeah, that's very interesting. All right. Well, appreciate the time and uh, well done on Saturday night. A great carnival at Redcliffe and uh, looking forward to being back there tomorrow night and again on Thursday. Thanks, Chris. Bernie Ring joining us this morning on Mobile Rolling. Bumper to bumper traffic in this Pepsi North America Cup and they chase Pebble Beach to the head of the stretch three quarters in 122 and three and it's Pebble Beach coming off the turn a two length lead on Beach Glass I did it my way down the center Forever Boy kicked off cover Ron off cover as well deep stretch and it's Pebble Beach who drifts slightly off the rail but he's clear by three second of the rail is Beach Glass the Pepsi North America Cup Pebble Beach in a romp it's Pebble Beach to win by three with Beach Glass second, Frozen Hanover third. Oh, Chris, we've got a very special guest joining us from the States this morning. Yeah, we're going to go to New Jersey and track down uh, leading trainer Noel Daly, fresh off that big success Saturday week ago, our time with uh, Pebble Beach taking out the, the North America Cup, one of the big ones for the three-roll pacing cups. And Noel's online with us now. Noel, appreciate the time. Yeah, no, good to be here. How many times have you watched that replay? Have you had a chance to watch the replay? 
Yeah, yeah, no, we've watched it a few times now. I, I actually watched the race live from down outside the paddock, so it was, uh, and just watched it on the big screen. So it was like, uh, it was a few hours later before I got to watch any replays of him. So, um, okay. you know, pretty happy with him. Now, am I right in saying that was the only pacing cult you bought that year? Yeah, it was sort of, uh, you know, just not. Not by choice, it's just the way things went over. You know, we had a lot of luck there with trotters there, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and then that's what people buy you, and we end up with a couple of paces here and there. But uh, he was the only pacing colt we bought <laughs> that year, and it was basically one of my owners. That was in the middle of COVID there too, so one of my owners, actually back in New York, he'd, he'd call me up and ask me if I'd, uh, you know, I was at the sale in Kentucky, and he asked me if I'd, go and look at this pacer and so I said oh yeah and then I looked down there's a, a down by the seaside which was an Ohio bred and I'm thinking oh what the hell do I need an Ohio bred pacer for but I uh, I went and checked him out and I love the horse he's not a big horse but he's I mean he's a beautiful horse he's you know probably the most correct horse I've ever had and um, I looked at his family and whatever and he has a Brittany horse so you know his mother had only made 15,000 but she was a a uh, full sister or half sister to a you know a few really good horses. Uh, typical Brittany family, you know. That's you know, when you're buying off them, you know that you know they've got the background there to them. So then I had to had to hustle around try and find myself uh, some owners for him. Um, it just so happened I'd had over the years just one or two horses for uh, Joseph Brocco, who actually owned uh, he owned a trotter with me, but then he, he owned the father down by the seaside so I called him up and said uh, you know, I like this horse and he said oh I've already got five of them he said oh I'll have a look I'll call you back and then he called me back half an hour later and said uh, what do you think he'll bring and I said oh he might bring 75 you know 80,000 I said um, you know the down by the seasides were selling pretty good and he said no oh, I'll take a quarter and I got someone else to take a quarter anyhow and I found a few other people so I ended up giving 85 for him <laughs> which was uh just over the over the price bracket that we we're going to go, but um, yeah, so he was the only the only pacing colt we had. <laughs> mm, well, so a remarkable story. Right yeah, absolutely. So, how much is he banked now? Um, that put him at about nine hundred, I think. Um, he made, yeah, I think he made three forty or something like that as a two-year-old. Uh, he was always. You know, just always showed showed brilliance. You know, I'd, you know, even just training him. You know, it's hard these days; they go so quick, and the paces. And I hadn't had really many paces in the last. So I just kept telling the owners all along the way. I said, I don't know how good he is. I said, I don't. You know, there's a big difference between you got one that can go 52 or you got one that can go 48. And um, but you know, we liked him long, and just so happened as a two-year-old, he did go 48. So we were sort of, uh, you know, he was on the, he was on the upper end of what we what we expected. It was, you know, it it always shown it, but the speeds they've got to go these days, you don't know till you get them to the races, you know. Okay. Now the other thing, the Medellin's pace normally is the, the follow-on from the North America Cup, but as you outlined, because he's Ohio bred, progeny of that stallion, they're not eligible to contest the Medellin's pace. Yeah, it was just sort of, it's a weird thing, like the. Guy who runs the Meadowlands, Jeff Gorell, he was trying to 
I think it sort of backfired on him, you know, with unintended consequences of decisions. But a few years ago, he was trying to get people to keep their, you know, their colts on the track, bring them back at four, not retire them at three. So he he just brought in a rule that if a, you know, if a if a horse retired at three, then its progeny weren't eligible to any of his races. You know, the, the first year when he thought they should still be on the track. Uh, yeah. So just uh, as I say. It's, his idea was to keep, you know, to keep the good horses racing. Well, you know, now it's just so, so happened that, you know, right now my fellow is, you know, he's undoubtedly the best of them right now. And, you know, he's, he can't race at the Meadowlands for this year. There's nothing there for him, but he's still got a lot of racing. So I'm not, you know, I'm not too perturbed about it. It would be nice to have a, a genuine go at the Meadowlands pace there. I think, you know, on what he'd just done, he'd be heading in there as the favourite for sure. But, um, mm. you know, he, he, he doesn't get to race now for a little over a month, but after that, he's pretty busy, so that's okay. Okay. How big a thrill, personally, like the, the satisfaction for you to win that race? You've never won it previously, but with Todd McCarthy up there and, and now driving this cult, how, how satisfying was that for you guys? Yeah, no, that's great. You know, it's sort of Todd sort of set the world on fire straight away since he's been here. You know, he, uh, well, he's first. You know, the first year, the first top horse he drove just happened to be um, a trotting filly, Anoka, Anoka Hanover, who, you know, who bought the first year. And she was, I was fortunate on the first come back here. We had to start from scratch again. I bought her for 35. And Andy was driving her, and um, he picked off one time, and then Toddy picked up the drive. Well, she ended up winning the last 10. I think she made 600 there as a as a two-year-old and was the two-year-old of the years, you know, so she just, uh, that, that sort of gave him his first big, big name horse. Like she got the horse of the year, the two-year-old horse of the year, Trotton Philly. And, um, you know, then he's just been on fire since then, Todd, you know, he, he drives for everybody. Uh, he drives a few for me, but, you know, Andy, Andy and him probably drive most of mine. Um, and just so happened, you know, I put, I put him on the, the pacing colt, uh, when I qualified him that stage, you know, Andy was driving a lot of Tony Alanya's and I just figured, oh, well, Andy, Andy you'll have too many too many choices in that, that division. So I put Toddy on and right from the word go, when we qualified him, you know, he's, the phone, the phone's been ringing since the day I put him on the track. You know, he's, he won his first qualifier and uh, people have been trying to buy him ever since. But, you know, the guys who only didn't really need or want to sell him, uh, small piece of him was sold after his second or third start. A, a small piece of him was sold, valuing him at a million and a quarter. That was, you know, back then, his two-year-old. But um, the guys, you know, none of them needed to sell him. So, you know, they're, they're a good group, the good group of guys who own him. So, so what would he be valued at now, now, in your opinion? What would his value be uh, now? Well, I think they insured him. At, you know, the, the few guys up there insurance two on him. Uh like even now, if he does nothing else, he's you know he's 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 got he's a sire now. But you know, but right now, if you know if something happened to him, he's probably a five or six thousand dollars sire. You obviously you've got to do more, but just he's got such brilliance, the horse. You know, he can just rattle off twenty-five second quarters. You know, it's just something he's been able to do. Um, now this year, he's shown a little bit more versatility too. Um, like he won, I think he got cooked a little there at two. He had a down at the Red Mile, he rattled off. He whacked out a, a 48 
and three world record for you know he did a bit of work and got to the front and just run along and a horse had just camped camped back the fence got up and nipped him on the line there um, but then he come right back and went in 48 and four but you know I think a few of them just took his toll right at the end there he um, he was third in the final of the of the Breeders' Crown but he'd sort of had enough then so I'm pretty happy on you know, a lot of the speeds they go these days. Sometimes you only get one season out of them, you know. So I was very happy that he that he came back. We just made sure we, you know, my plan was to drive him off the pace this year, and you know, basically threatened Toddy's first start. I said, you know, he's got to got to come from back, and he was in with older horses, and he took him he took him to the rear, and just the way the race worked out, he ran his he ran his last half of the race in first start back in 52 seconds flat, um, but he. Uh, he, uh, you know, from then on, he's he, just the way it happened. He, he ended up in front there, and I took him to Canada, and he, you know, he uh, he won it pretty easily. And he's shown his versatility there. Now I'm not scared to put him on the front end or from behind, wherever you know. But he's got a he's got a wicked turn of speed. If he if he gets to track along there, he you know, they find it hard to hard to hold him out. Now, the other thing, uh, just with Toddy, uh, the success that Toddy and Dexter are having up there is remarkable. And I suppose, in, in a way, Andy's been blazing that trail for them. And those guys have gone up and they've really capitalised. Just on the, the Aussie drivers up there, um, are you at all surprised that they've been able to do what they're doing, or the down-under drivers, I should say? So, Toddy and Dex and Andy still getting great success up there. Are you at all surprised with the, their fortunes up there at the moment? No, not at all. I remember, you know, it's Andy came and he's, you know, he's done, he's done a great job since he's been here. And now you've, um, I remember watching Todd when I was at home and he first started driving and he, you know, he sort of sat the American way, probably because he copied his brothers and that from over here. But he, you know, some of them just look right in the cart and, you know, he was one of them. He just, uh, you know, he just had the knack and then he, you know, he got here and he's, you know, I'll give him his credit. He, you know, he's, he was getting drives on baby trotters, which is, you know they can be a handful. Um, but you know he uh, he would sit down and watch replays of all the races. You know if you put him on a horse, he'd sort of watched his watched his starts before. You know he was willing to willing to learn because a lot of it here is about tactics and where they're going to be and whatever in a race. Uh, you know he just didn't go in there and just wing it. He he uh, he, he put his time into it. And, you know, he's um, he, got, he got drives for everyone straight off, and he you know, he probably drives more for he probably drives most of Brett's Brett Pellings. You know, he's probably Brett. You know, he uses other drivers there too, but Todd's probably his main guy. And then you know, he's getting the drives for Lanya and for Nancy Tactor, and you know, they don't have to really you know, him and Dexter and whatever the way things have turned out. You know, they can. They're getting their picker drives, and you know some of the some of the stables like to. They want someone to stick with their horses, but you know they they don't need to. They're getting the offer so that they can drive the best one. You know. Now, when uh, you first went to America, didn't you work for the Pelling Stable? Yeah, yeah, I worked for Brett for eight years. Yeah, so um, I don't know he's a great trainer, you know. So it's a, that was a good grounding to get. I worked for him for eight years, and then uh, you know went out on my own after that. Been here another 23 or something years now, um, you know. So like, uh, well, 
Nifty, Nifty Norman, he was the second trainer when I first arrived there. Um, and then I end up second trainer for him. And then, like Nifty's, I think Nifty was the trainer of the year here last year. He's, uh, Nifty's training 70 or 80. You know, he had, uh, he had two trotting fillies last year that made a million dollars. Um, so, you know, he was, he and Brett were sort of partners there. When I first went there as a groom, uh, Nifty was the second trainer and Brett were partners in a lot of horses. So, you know, it's just... Uh, and then Brett went home to, to Australia for a decade and Nifty just took over there and done a great job as well. Noel, I want to keep talking uh, just about the, the guys over there. If there's an Australian driver, and you, you follow the, the stuff down here pretty closely, if there's an Australian driver right now that could go up there and dominate in North America, what driver would that be? Yeah, you've got a few good young drivers down there. Um, you know, I'd say I, I don't... I pretty much just watching what I'm doing here. I know the, uh, uh, the young kid that's been working for Luke there looks like he does a pretty good job. Um, is he one of the is he, is it a Callaghan, Jack Callaghan or whatever? Yeah, Jack Callaghan. Yeah, and there's a few there's a few of those boys that were driving at Manangle. They're the only ones that I, I knew. Then you know, Cameron Hart. And then there's there's a few boys there that you know they can get the job done. You know, Andy and Andy and Todd and Dexter are very personable too that helps them um you know some of the others can be a little a little temperamental and whatever here and it's just that you know everything seems to be water off a duck's back to the three of them and yeah you know they're they're competitive in their races but they you know they're straight after the race they're you know they're all they're all best of buddies and whatever and they they don't don't do anything to hurt each other and they're very you know they're very easy going that trainers and Trainers and owners like that too, you know. It's just easy to deal with easygoing people, so that's a plus for them all too, you know. One question that I'm desperate to ask you, I know it's different now and he's, you know, firmly established here as a, as a trainer driver with his wife, Belinda, and he's got two young children. How big of a star could Luke McCarthy have been if he decided to make, you know, America home, say, a decade ago? It was quite funny when he came here, Luke, and he was just sort of here on a lark, you know, and whatever. And he, um, my God, I don't know how many drives he had of the Netherlands. I don't think he drove a winner, which, which is just unbelievable, you know. Uh, Luke's, yeah, well, Luke's a very, he's a very smart driver. Um, you know, I don't know. He, he, he'd never spent a lot of time here. Like the, the style just seems to be the speed, seems to be the way these guys sit in these bikes and whatever. He would adapt to it, you know, and he's, you know, it's all about tactics and whatever. He's, you know, he's just, he just show he's just so smart and put horses in the right place and that he'd have, he'd have made it if he wanted to. If he wanted to stay, yeah. he'd have made it. You know. And speaking of he speed, he, speak... he, he can't, couldn't be much more successful here than he is there. He doesn't really need to yeah. be here. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of speed and speaking of uh, Dex, did you guys combine across the weekend with a uh, feature race winner at the Midlands, a, a, a graduate series uh, winner, Bulldog Hanover? Did he go 47? Yeah, pretty. And I won't take any credit for him. I had the horse about 48 hours. He, um, I had a horse well, probably a decade ago for Jack Darling. Jack's just, you know, he has his 10 or 12 horse stable all the time. And he's a guy who can just, you know, he owns most of them himself. He's a guy who manages just to pluck one. Out, I think he get twenty eight thousand for this fella, and um, you know he'd won. He'd he'd won a bunch of races up there in Canada. Um, uh, two weeks before he came to me, he won. You know he won in forty eight up there. He won the Open 
in P Daly Wagon over and whatever and he's quite funny. He's like bred like eighty mares this year while he's been racing. And uh while I was up there at Pebble Beach he just you know, Jack doesn't like to, like to get out of his little bubble there. He so oh, you take him you race him down there in the States for me and I said, Oh hell yeah. So um you know, obviously we knew he was a nice horse. Dexter had never sat behind him. I'd never, you know, Jack just said, Oh, just tell him to do whatever with him, he's fine. Um and uh yeah, pretty scared. I'm telling you, he won in forty seven, home in twenty four and four, and Dexter was was easing him down the last hundred meters. It was yeah, you know, it was a wildly quick night for whatever reason at the Meadowlands. Um, Brett had one there, the great mare, his test of fate. Yeah, she run, she got home in 24 and three and got beaten, run second. You know, she come from off the pace and couldn't get the leader. So it was a very quick night, but this horse just strolled around there in 47 flat. I mean, if you'd asked him to go, he'd have gone 46. It was just crazy, crazy. Um, just a you know, got, very nice horse. I've got a million more questions, but uh, time is on the uh, on, on going by. I've got to ask this though. Lazarus, he's got two-year-olds at the track up there and there's a big boom on them. Have you got any Lazarus and uh, what's the, the mail up there about the, the progeny of Lazarus? Yeah, well, the other night sort of showed it. You know, I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, better slides probably the greatest sire of all time up to now, in my opinion, anyhow. And he, but up to now, he hadn't thrown a siring son, which made me a little nervous. Uh, but I ended up with a couple of them basically because he was virtually the only, well, he's the only commercial sire that was going to be in in New Jersey. Um, so, you know, I was we, we took a shot and bought a couple because we were only going to race the other Lazarus, you know. So if he was a dud, well, we were only going to race the other duds. But I had Philly, that probably my best two-year-old trainer down here all year has been a Lazarus Philly. And um, I had two Colts. One of them I got rid of pretty early. He was just no good, and the other one's not the greatest either but uh, the filly was always nice uh, I gave her her first start the other night um, and she got beaten in what did they go there 51 and change she runs second she was she, she, she was very good you know that was her first start the, the filly that beat her had, had paced in 52 and change the week before it had a start um, but you know I was second and there was another one Chris Ryder had was third like they were significantly better than the rest of them. And then a, a cult of Jim King's went 50 and four first lifetime start. Just, and, and not, he didn't trip out and go 50 and four. He, he did work and went 50 and four. It was, you know, it was pretty, pretty wild. So now it looks like they're, you know, it looks like they've, uh, he, he's going to do a job. So, you know, which is good. It was great to see that better slight finally had, a sire that could, you know, that could uh, go on with it. Um, yeah, you, you never know, but you know, as I say, the, 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 my filly, I think she's very good. And uh, obviously, that I think the one at Jim King's was like a ten thousand dollar colt or whatever. You know, to win wow. fifty and change his first start. So. Well, it's exciting times and uh, there's a lot to look forward to for the rest of this year for you with Pebble Beach and uh, a number of other stars in the stable. And I really appreciate the time. Continued success and we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, man.
Noel Daly joining Chris Barsby. We've got to talk more harness racing. Just at Taree, the numbers were four. Cormiardi, four ten two thirty. Number six got second. Yakiri Kiri won seventy. No third for one. The Quinella paid five ninety. The Exacta sixteen dollars eighty. The Trifecta thirty two sixty. And the first four on the numbers four six one and eight two hundred dollars and 90 cents. Mobile rolling on Radio Town. They reach the far turn now, 400 metres left to run. Third quarter, 27-3. They're going to obliterate the track record here. They'll go sub-50 for sure. They have to. I cast no shadow. 27, 27-7, 27-3. Oh, you love it. They're into the home straight here. I cast no shadow, leading the way. Now, Ideal Dan tips to the outside. Better isolate, scoots through on the inside. I cast no shadow in front. Ideal Dan, he's trying hard, but he's going to do it all the way here. I cast no shadow. 27-1. The time, 49-1. That's a track record. Unfortunately, it won't stand, but he takes it. I cast no shadow. Beating Chris, Ideal that wasn't Dan. in America, was it? <laughs> no, that was at Albion Park here yesterday <laughs> afternoon, Steve. So it's unbelievable how fast these horses can go. And uh, he was stunning. I cast no shadow. 27, 27, 7, 27, 3, 27, 1, 49. He scored comfortably by two metres. So the track is in super order. We saw a track record in the final race there at Reckliff on Saturday night. So these horses just keep going faster and faster. Albion Park Chief Executive Scott Steele is online. He joins us now. Scott, appreciate the time. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Fantastic. The track was lightning quick yesterday. Yeah, perfect conditions, Chris. Um, nice still day. Sun was out. Uh, daytime meeting. And, of course, the track staff had the uh, track on point. And 149.1. Bring on this carnival. So there's every chance they're going to smash that track record of 150 over the next couple of weeks. Look, I'd like to think so. And uh, I know a few of our local uh, drivers that like to go pretty quick um, took exception to the, the, the New Zealand visitor doing the track record. So uh, I have no doubt we're going to see that track, or track record surpassed um, in the coming three or four weeks, that's for sure. Okay, so we've gone through Reckliff. All the focus is now on Albion Park over the next four Saturday nights. 11 races this Saturday night, feature racing. It looks awesome, the carnival here. Oh, Chris, you, you look at these fields. They're phenomenal. 11 race program. The visitor's up. Um, we've got another visitor just arrived today, Grant Eli from um, Sydney, bringing up another Q-bred horse uh, for the carnival. Um, Emma Stewart on her way up. It's, uh, oh, look, I, I, it's, I'm lost for words. And the quality of horse has been backed up by the interest in hospitality in, in the carnival. We've had multiple bookings. We're, we're selling out fast, Chris. Uh, all we want is good weather. I did look at the phone, and uh, it looks a bit ordinary this Saturday, but um, we'll cop the first, uh, first night being wet if we get three good nights the last three nights. Yeah, fingers crossed that it is a, uh, a nice, fine month in, in the month of July. So we've got 11 races this Saturday night. The Rising Sun, that's the race that's creating plenty of hype. That comes up on Saturday week. We've seen a number of these horses that are aiming towards this race step out. Leap to Fame was at the trials yesterday. Ladies in red last night. We've got Better Isolate on the way up later this week. So this race is really taking shape. Barrier draw is going to be crucial next Monday night. Yeah, wasn't Ladies in Red fantastic in the trial? I watched that trial this morning. Um, and obviously, Leap to Fame, talking with Grant Dixon after his trial. And I had a look at uh, 
him yesterday, and he, he was still having a good blow. So there's plenty of improvement left in Leap to Fame as well. So um, oh, it'll be great to have a couple of Queenslands in the race this year. And oh, we're, we're a live chance too. We're a live chance, but the race will be fantastic. I know there's some talk of Amir Vitae, Nathan Perns horse again. In. I don't think we'll see the three-year-old filly race the boys. Uh, I think it might be a bit too new for it, but um, still going to be a fantastic race, that's for sure, Chris. Okay, and the Calcutta this year for the uh, Blacks of Faith taking place on Thursday, I think it's July 23, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is shaping as a real fun night. Yeah, Thursday the 21st, Chris, before the uh, Blacks of Fake, um, plenty of uh, racetrack interviews. There's going to be a phantom call from the voice of the creek, uh, Chris Barsby. Um, We've got a guaranteed free money starting pool of $1,000 thanks to Tab and the creek. Uh, plenty of interest there. We've got professional punters on site. We'll have uh, all the connections. It will be a really big fun night. The Breakfast Creek Hotel's got on board. They're giving us the entire uh, rum bar for the night for the function, so it'll be a nice, casual, but fun night. And, Chris, another thing for the punters to note, that um, we have a bookmaker on course for all four nights of carnival. Ben Crave. Bet with Ben, he tells me. He's keen to take the punters on and take some of their cash, he tells me. Okay, well, that's another highlight for the carnival this year for 2022. It's very exciting. Track record unofficially at the trials yesterday. A horse going 149. I cast no shadow. Scott, really appreciate the time, and we'll be chatting uh, quite uh, extensively over the next couple of weeks. Can't wait, Chris. Exciting times. All right, so there's the Chief Executive of Albion Park. We need a winner for today's big program. 11 of the best racetrack, Ralphie, each and every Tuesday. He's online with us now. Ralphie, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Where do we find the best bet? Look, I think we head to race five, number one, OB Legal. He's a talented three-year-old colt, and I think today he finds the perfect race. He's drawn the ace gate, and he's got the noted leader in Mink Furioso Toro drawn to uh, his immediate outside. So he should land the perfect trail, and that'll give Peter Gregg uh, plenty of options at the top of the straight. His last effort was excellent when he was placed behind the Group 1 winner in Teddy Disco, and that was in a Redcliffe feature, and they ran that in fast time. So the other thing is, it's the opening leg of the quaddy, so I reckon we can get off to a good start by standing him out. Race 5, number 1, OB Legal. Thanks for that. Okay. Racetrack Ralphie joining us there.